listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And I cannot keep silent any longer. Uh-oh. You know the Super Mario trailer that came out? <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt's voice? Yeah. Ever, uh, there's a lot of controversy over it. And I agree I don't like him if he is supposed to be playing... Mario as Mario. Yeah, the classic Mario. But it seems to me, and not a lot of like comments on Reddit have been like pointing this out, but it seems to me like he's going to be the classic Mario from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh, where, sure. Where he's like a plumber from New York from like Brooklyn who gets sucked into a magic tube and doesn't know where he is. Like, that's the classic Mario. Uh... Is that what happens in the in the TV show? He doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like he's discovering the the um, mushroom kingdom and all that jazz. Uh, it's what, been a long time since. What I was it. the cart? Because that show would hop back and forth between the cartoon yeah. version and the. Anytime they got sucked into the tube. Yeah. They were a cartoon. When they became the cartoon versions, was it the same guy voicing Mario? Cause I remember his voice from the from the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Swing your arms from side to side. Like I remember all that. I all think that so. Theme song. What was the? I wonder what the um, voice was for Mario in the show, in the cartoon portion of the show. I thought it was just that wrestler guy, Louis Albano, the whole time. But now, now I'm doubting myself. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm mean, given the era. It wouldn't surprise me if the Mario in the cartoon had a different voice and they never explain it and it's just yeah he and has a different voice or whatever no, you know starring louis albano yeah voices of louis albano and etc danny wells so yeah i think it was him okay so yeah i mean i don't know why there's so much controversy on it i mean i guess there's the idea that like there's this one guy who has voiced mario and how dare they not let him voice Mario in the movie? Well, also, but, there's a big problem in the voice acting world where face actors yes, um, wind, up wind up taking over um, roles, roles for, voice, for voice actors. And they think that they can voice act because they can act. And it's it's a completely different thing. But I would argue that they will get more people coming to see the movie because Chris Pratt is Mario. I mean, I don't think so. I think more people are going to see the movie because of Jack Black. I mean, that's certainly why I'm. I'm going not to going see to go see Chris Pratt. <laughs> I want to hear. See. I want to hear Jack Black be Bowser. <laughs> yeah, I need some Jack Black in my life. Yeah. Jack Black, if you're listening, please come on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of excited to hear Seth Rogen in the in it too. Ah, uh, I don't care. Jack he, Black. Seth Rogen just has such a like very iconic voice. He it's just, hard. It's he, hard to not hear Seth Rogen because he, he plays <laughs> himself every single time, yeah. just like Chris Pratt. Um, but Jack Black, you could tell just from the trailer that he was going more into his uh, range. I would also argue that Jack Black is a voice actor now um, because of Kung Fu Panda. Now, obviously, he's a face actor as well, but he has done quite a large amount of voice acting through Kung Fu Panda. Same with Mark Hamill. It's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a hard line. It's definitely a there's a gray area and there's a lot of people on either side of that line. Yeah. But there you go. That was my two cents. All right. Two cents. You've you're you've no longer stayed quiet. <laughs> two cents. It's a new segment. It's a new segment called 
Two cents. Alyssa's two cents. Two yeah. cents. Okay. There you go. New segment. <laughs> okay, that was the podcast. Good podcast. Let's do good. Let's go. Let's yeah. go to bed. That's, wow. I feel like we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Think yeah. of all the enriched game masters out there. <laughs> Ready to go. No. Ready to no, go now. No, no, no. We have questions to answer. Oh. Uh, all right. All right. Let's do a question. Let's do it. First question comes from Contribution Usual 106. Contribution Usual. Now, actually, I have to say, I have been getting an increasing number of uh, hits on our website with questions for people who think that our website sucks and that they are the answer and they can um, change it. Oh, and wow. And get more that's people good. to our website. That's great. And <laughs> your Wix algorithm with, and with only this much money. And <laughs> you're not you're not coming up top on Google. And I'm thinking like all of our tens of listeners know how to find us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're having problems. Wow. I think we have a very narrow audience that we are perfectly fine with. <laughs> yeah. Anymore. And, and they know exactly where to hassle. find us. Yeah. So thank you, narrow audience. So Contribution Usual 106 says, My little brother and some of his friends are going to play D&D with me DMing. What are some good, quick, easy-to-understand missions and ideas that they could do? Uh, they are a part of a guild, so handing out missions is easy. They're all level one. Thanks in advance. Hmm. Good, quick, easy-to-understand missions and ideas that they could do. So this, this is sometimes a, a topic of conversation that comes up. Um, about tropes, mm -hmm. about D and D tropes. Um, I am a big fan of tropes. There is something wonderful about a um, tavern start, and I don't think that it's perfect for everything. I think it can be way overdone. But when you have new players, you gain the opportunity to show them the world, to show them the the tropes that you love from the game, the, the things, that, the experiences, and the uh, plot ideas that you love. And so you can do all the classic ideas. Hey, there's a bad guy who's coming to destroy the world. Let's stop them. You can do the classic um, moments like that without having to overcomplicate them. You have the perfect opportunity to do the most uh, straightforward plot lines and straightforward introduction moments that you ever have because it's a brand new group it's definitely like a dip your toe moment like give them um give them a fetch quest mm -hmm. see how they see how uh, steal from video games like i was thinking um you, the trope of uh you know little little timmy is trapped down the well like mm -hmm. but the well is actually a uh, um like from uh zelda ocarina of time when he goes down the well um and gets the like there's like a whole dungeon. Stuff. Yeah, there's stuff. like a whole dungeon down there. Yeah. So Timmy's trapped on the well. He doesn't. We can't find him. Where did he go? And then it ends up you're inside of a vampire crypt. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Expand your world. Um, throw some skeletons. Throw some zombies in there. Like, undead are great. They're the best because you don't have to. There's no controversy. You're defeating them. They're dead already. That is what you're doing. Exactly, and that definitely helps. Um, for the players who. Right off the bat, go, I don't want to kill anybody. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. These are already dead. How do you yeah, feel now? It's a skeleton. <laughs> uh, constructs are also great for this. You can, robots. you know, robots, basically. Uh, that's that's great. You don't have to give them necessarily, like, backstory and 
and stuff like that. They're just, you know, sort of bad things attacking you. Yeah, I mean, you can also do the, there's a dragon that is terrorizing the town or has moved, oh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic is good for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, dragon moved into a cave, started snoring black smog, and um, you need to go wake the dragon up and convince him to go somewhere else. Um, I also, so I'm, I'm a fan that you can go, um, you want to toss in at least one, uh, social encounter with an NPC. Um, so I, I do actually do this every time I have a new group. Um, I want to make sure that they're introduced into a plot line and get a chance to really see what the game is. So when I introduce a new group, I always make sure to have one of the three pillars somewhere within the the first session so by the end of the first day of playing we will have done one of uh one of each of these things they are to role play with an npc that is where i play an npc character i speak in a voice of some kind as that npc character and i encourage them to speak back to me in their character's voice whether or not they want to change their voice to a different voice or whether or not they just want to use the first person pronouns of of i in the in the way in which they represent their character whatever but um the i always make sure to have some kind of role play then i always make sure to have some kind of combat combat's a huge part of D, and i always make sure to have some kind of puzzle a uh, puzzle can be any uh, it can be any number of things in fact i i generally strongly encourage against yes i was gonna say adam is anti-puzzle guy yeah most of the time anytime I, i'm like hey i have an idea for a puzzle he's like nope it won't work I don't like puzzles that have a clear, this is the one solution. Um, I like circumstances with a challenge inside of it that you can solve many ways. So the door is locked, get through it. That is a cool circumstance. There are many ways to do that. Uh, maybe you bash down the door, maybe you blow it up, maybe you pick the lock. Um, maybe there's it gets more complicated. Maybe the door is also trapped in addition to being locked. Um, it gives the game master more opportunity to accordion the level of challenge and the level of interest that is going on for that particular thing. So I would say a really easy level one mission would be an escort quest. You get an NPC, they're essentially walking you through their town, walking you through the world, but they need help with XYZ. Can you help me? Can you come with me on this quest? Escort mission. Can you make, let's make a story to answer a uh, uh, contribution usual 106's thing. We need a one session, whole story gets uh, introduced and um, executed in that whole one session. By the end of the session, you have wrapped the story up, you are done. Okay. Uh, I like your idea of an escort quest. Who are we escorting? Um, there is a small group of school children <laughs> okay <laughs> who have to ride the train home from their uh, wizard school and you have to escort them back to their home without um, letting them do magic they just learn magic they're so excited about it you cannot let them go crazy on the train okay um What's the first obstacle to come in the way? So first of all, I think you could have, you could play the school children. That might be fun. But also you could have like a headmaster or something like that. Like a, a sort of, um, maybe it's uh, an NPC who is like the, 
train guy. Like, he's the one keeping the kids under wraps. Uh, yeah, he hired you. Uh, yeah, and maybe he is not all that competent. Uh, like, he, his job is to make sure kids don't cast spells and it, give them, no, give, no, no, no. you know, his job itchy is to pants spells or whatever on his each other. His job is to get them from point A to point B, and he does not have time to babysit a bunch of new wizards, and that's where you come in. He really needs someone. I'm hiring you to do this mission. But then your job, the whole thing is going to be you babysitting. Essentially, but you're keeping them safe, and other things can come up. Uh, okay. All right, you don't like it. No, I want to go the other direction. I want to make the players bodyguards instead of babysitters and make the guy the babysitter, the NPC guy the babysitter. So who are they bodyguarding? The the whole train. The, it's a it's a uh, caravan escort. Okay. Um and the that way the players don't wind up in the in the place where they're where you're just having to role play kids like being kids or whatever, you're just trying to play games with them, which is fun once, and then you can't fill a whole session with that. Okay. So. How about instead of kids, it's um, cattle. It's a cattle drive. I mean, it's still the same thing. You don't want them to have to just sit with the cows the whole time. They're yes, trying but now to you're not role-playing huh? children. You're role-playing cows. Me. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> the train is under attack. Yes. Um, what is attacking the train? Kobolds. Yeah, it's classic. Classic. It's classic. Once again, don't discard the trope. The trope is is good for a reason. Goblins also great here. Um, if you wanted to go, maybe it's undead. Maybe it is um, haunted forest. Ooh, that's good. Maybe it is a metal elemental who is taking back the rails. Oh, okay. I don't. Yeah. All right. Why not? <laughs> Why does he want to take back the rail? He, it's an abomination to strewn his his precious metal all across your your world. How, d- how dare you use metal for such a mundane purpose? Right, like tracks in the ground, and then you have this like metal carriage taking you places. This is my body. Okay, so the train comes to a stop because the metal elemental has destroyed the tracks. Yes, and then you have to fight the metal elemental. Yes. Um. And then maybe you get the tracks back after you fight the metal elemental. You continue on, and then we need a uh, clear challenge to overcome. Actually, you know what? I think the metal elemental should be the final Yeah, final that's boss. what I was thinking. So uh, the train comes to a stop. Uh, no, let's, let's just make it uh, goblins attack the... The train, your 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 fight off the goblins, then the train has to come to a, a stop because the the bridge is out, mm. um, and you have to you have to stop the train in time because the bridge is out. Uh, okay, that's a good exciting moment. Maybe skill challenge. It could be if if the uh, the brake on the train doesn't work, you have to climb to the front of the train to pull the brake or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Then that's a fun skill challenge, and then uh, and now the bridge is out because the metal elemental is destroying the stuff. So then you defeat the metal elemental, and then that allows you to put the tracks back on the bridge. And all the wizard school children work together. Oh, to rebuild the to, bridge, to, to repair to get the bridge. The metal elemental's metal back to w- the shape it was in before. There you go. Shape metal. And then wind up home. 
With a big bow on it. There you go. So there's a plot. Contribution usual. Don't say we didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do try. Yeah. All right. I hey, think we answered that one. Thanks. <laughs> Moving on. It's Superfan Dye Toothpaste. Oh. I dyed toothpaste. Hey, thanks. How's it going? We appreciate you. Yeah. I think that Superfan Dye Toothpaste has earned, um, be- because y- you're way past sticker level here, um, I think Superfan Dye Toothpaste has earned another swag that um, I'm going to be unveiling Need at some point. Invent a swag for I, I actually have like three different swags. That you do? Yeah. Why, where's my swag? <laughs> I, I haven't purchased them yet. Oh, I They're see. They're in the design you have, phase. Oh, I see. You have ideas for swag. Uh, they're on paper. They right. are in the. B- they're they're they in are a system. Built somewhere. in the system, but I have not released them to the general All right. public. I like this dye toothpaste because every time you get new swag, I get new swag. It's true. I can't. You can't be the only one with new swag. Yeah. We're in it together. <laughs> okay. Dye toothpaste says, I want to design a one shot for my table where everyone will be making and playing evil characters. Ooh. Oh, yeah. With the final twist being that one of these characters will be the big bad evil guy of our next main campaign arc. However, my general DM style is much more freeform, open world, and slow paced, so I'm worried about keeping things moving forward. What are some design philosophies that I can employ to streamline my encounters and keep myself on track? Also, if you in general have any fun ideas for a villainous adventure, I am all ears. Mm, okay, okay, Metal Elemental. And it's just trying to get a train. There's little kids. There's little kids. Evil little kids. Well, (laughs) it's an evil train. It's an evil train. (laughs) And a good metal elemental. Yes. Um, No, I, I, uh, okay, I have so many, so many thoughts for this. Um, When you want a campaign or when you want a story to last a very specific amount of time, um, you want the story to end with something. It means you should always plan your story backwards. So if you want to have a one-shot and your one-shot you know needs to end with something, then you need to plan the whole rest of the story backwards. And that means you say, what is the moment that I want to have at the end? Okay, what needs to happen to get to that moment, to get to that next bit, to get to that next bit? And this is especially true when when you have this sort of time limit you've created for yourself that you you really want to have those those pieces. Um, One thing that I also think can be really, really helpful is you're going to plan your plot from end to beginning, but then you're also going to share with your players the moment that you start this this thing, here is where this is going to end. And that gives you the opportunity to um, have the players in on the timeline that you have set. So when you say um, hey, at the we're going to play a one-shot. Everybody's going to play evil characters. At the end of the campaign, all of you are going to fight each other, and whoever's left alive will become the big bad evil guy of the... of Whoever's characters left alive will become the, the evil villain of our next campaign. Hmm. And now the players know, okay, we know how this ends, which also means that they're not going to try to kill each other before then. Because right. they all know that it all ends in a final battle of them trying to fight each other. I was going to say the, uh, kind of the opposite. I was going to say take the, the Team Rocket approach, which is that the evil characters always work together. 
they always get it like they have a shared goal and they work together on it right uh, I think and 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 uh, one other way to do this would be to say um, you know so, something is gonna happen you need you need a moment at the end that is gonna stand out that is gonna be the why does one become the the um, BBEG instead of somebody else so that could be someone gets the scroll of power that could be um, someone is the one that is the the last one standing I don't know I think that there it has could be a lot be, of ways to do that I don't know that it has to be a last one standing kind of situation I think that it could be that this one big uh, evil characters um, pissed off or um, had an altercation with their players in the future Maybe all of the evil characters split up, and you just happen to be going to Kingdom Y, which has that villain in it. Oh, they all pursued their own villainous plots. At the uh, yeah, or something. And then you just pick which one you like best for the players happen to. Yeah, I'm just saying there's options. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a winner takes all. But uh, but Diet Toothpaste, I do think you need to decide yes. what you want the end of it to look like because. To, to to Alyssa's point, um, you really want to be able to tell your players, hey, you're not going to kill each other because this plot requires that you don't. And so you can be evil, but you're all going to agree. You're going to find a reason that you are working together. And maybe the reason is that person's going to pay me their cut of the loot or... Uh, or uh, the reason is that uh, I think I need them to get to my goal, whatever the case may be. And you should have everyone sit down and talk about what their goal is going to be. Is it going to be take over a kingdom? Is it going to be start a crime boss ring? Yeah. Crime ring. Um, e each, each of these characters needs to have their own uh, evil ambition of some kind. Yeah. I also think it's important to sit down and talk about what does an evil campaign mean to the players because this could be like you know killing innocent bystanders it could be um, political backstabbing um, you know and everyone can just justify their actions with it's what my character would do right so you, yeah. I think you gotta find the line there um, but it sounds like you've been playing with these people for a long time so you probably already have an idea of the situation I will say um, that it's it is worthwhile to do a little bit of a like no and please list when you uh when you do something like an evil campaign you mostly you, you want to make sure that what people perceive as evil is not uncomfortable at the table um or or worse so ultimately like i think it would be horribly evil to have a bag of puppies and put them through a, a grinding machine like that's horrible and also, I don't want to play that out in our game. Yeah, that's not something that that uh, obviously that's evil. And um, the evil that I want to be in our campaign is a little bit more Saturday morning cartoon than it is um, like a truly evil person. Yeah. Um, I also don't really want to make a character that's like whose desire is to commit genocide or something like yeah. that. I mean, it could be just we're silly pirates. Yeah. Um, now I do think that that like you're trying, you are trying to make a bad guy that is a good setup for your good campaign. So, so having the characters be evil, I think, is good. But I think it's a worthwhile 
point to have that discussion as a group so that you know what evil really is in this case and what you're comfortable actually playing out with the whole group. And and so it's just really, really important that everybody say, like, I don't want to have this and establish the especially the no portion of, of that list and then also some safety rules of like fade to black and yeah. and stuff like that. Like yeah. this is gonna be an evil torture scene. We're not gonna describe it, but you know, a torture scene happens and at the end of the torture scene here's what we get. And it's just a fade to black and then you're walking out of the torture room yeah. or whatever maybe, and you've got your information. Maybe try not to let people play chaotic evil or like stupid evil, the like I don't want to pay my bar tab, so I'm just going to kill this guy. You know, like, maybe they should be smarter than that. I don't know. I actually think that's one of the most fun parts of the Evil campaign. Already? Is the is the willingness to sort of burn down the world a little bit. So um, I actually played an Evil campaign. Um, Alyssa, Alyssa knows this, but back in college, I had we had a good campaign with a bunch of friends, uh, and we played for something like three or four years. Uh, this huge campaign. And then um, we all decided to take a break for a little while, and, and we played the evil campaign that took place seven years before the start of the good campaign. And the point of that campaign was that at the end of the campaign, we will have instigated and created the problems that the good players then were trying to deal with. And it was a great fun. Um, uh, we all had an agreement that part of what was going on was that we had to work together. And there were times where we would fight with each other, we would be antagonistic to each other because we were all evil and had our own our own motivations for what we wanted. But um, but we did all have the, the sort of agreement that we still need to be on a group together, and yeah. so we, we're not going to try to kill each other at every turn. Um, and we caused so much havoc. And it was great because we came into a town and just started started disrupting stuff, causing chaos in this town. And it was also part of our goal was to cause chaos and panic and, and all of those things. And so it was goofy and fun from our perspective, but it was uh, destructive to the, to the world in a lot of ways. And I think that's the, the important line you're trying to walk when you're doing something like an evil campaign. What if instead of okay, what well, the first thing that that came to mind was Suicide Squad, like they're oh, all sure. working together because they have to, kind of a thing. But what if instead all the players are actually minions of a big bad evil guy, and by the end, um, you will reveal that the big bad evil guy is actually like either being killed or retired or something, and one of them has to take on the mantle. Hmm. That's not bad. Um, yeah, I kind of like that idea. Uh, there is there is the big question of, like, what's motivating them? What is the, the moment that you want to get them to? Um, uh, I will tell, I will say that I loved the start that we had for our original, for, for the evil campaign I played in college, was it was a prison break. We were all in prison, and we got to describe what we did, what hor- sort of horrible things our character Why did. Why you were in prison. That had gotten us imprisoned. And uh, and then it turned into a prison break for the campaign. Now, granted, if I wanted to do it in one session, I might 
start with you have just broken out of prison or something like that. I started the, with the description because it took us a long time to like devise a plan. Yeah. Uh, for breaking out, but um, it was a great setting starter. Uh, but but then having everybody um, be minions of this of this one guy, or maybe maybe it's not minions. Maybe there's a patron. Uh, yeah, or uh, or or I was thinking like um, maybe there is a famous bad guy. Um, bad horse. Yeah, it's bad horse. <laughs> uh, and he's bad. Uh, he's bad. He rides across the nation, the thoroughbred of sin. Um, he got he got the application. That but but that's that's what you're doing. Uh, you're all competing. The the bad horse <laughs> has has an open spot for a number two man. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and everybody is competing for this position. And you have all decided that you'll do better if you work together for this number two spot. And then you can, when it comes time, when you've eliminated all the remaining competition, uh, you... Battle, then you have a battle. Then you have a battle. Then you decide between yourselves uh, who's going to make it to the end of this. That's good. I like that. M- mostly because of Bad Horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bad Horse. Bad Horse. <laughs> Um, but but I like I like that idea that also it gets everybody together, it gives you a final goal, mm-hmm. and it could be a little bit of a um, uh, like you were describing, it could be a um, a, what is it called? Uh, Dread Pirate Roberts. It could okay. be a Dread Pirate Roberts, yeah. which is you finally do the whole thing, you do all your bad stuff, whatever, because. Because maybe the requirement is you need to do something really publicly bad. Yeah. Something people talk about for a long time. And so so that's the requirement. And you also need to go stop the other people who are who are trying to do their bad thing. Um, and so you find out, you know, these three people are doing their bad thing. You find out, you, you get the scoop, the skinny on what their bad thing is that they're planning. And you need to stop their bad thing, and you need to do something spectacularly bad yourself. And so you finally make it all the way to the end. You sabotage them. Yeah, you sabotage. You sabotage <laughs> the other ones. You you, uh, you get recognized by Bad Horse or whatever the big bad evil guy is, and then Bad Horse reveals to you that they are not the first Bad Horse. That in fact there were two other Bad Horses before them who have since retired, and that this whole thing has been a setup. To pass off the mantle of bad horse to you. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, that's that's a fun plot. Okay, die tooth place. Please let us know if any of that works for you. Um, and and mantle in this case could be like you know here's my helm of power or something. You know it could it could be if you need the the BBEG to be something specific, a lich or a, you know something like that. That can just be whatever Bad Horse already has. So to answer your question, you were asking how to keep things moving forward. What are some design philosophies you can employ to streamline encounters to keep myself on track? Okay. Um, you know what the end is. You need to know how long the end will take. Um, so whatever whatever ending you have in mind, how long does it take to get to do that last thing? 
So if if you have an ending and it's like you show up at Bad Horse's house and Bad Horse says, I like that this is just it. It's this just become Bad Horse. I mean, make 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 the bad guy whatever you want them to be. They don't have to be Bad Horse. Um, that may be a reference that that, that your party doesn't get. Um, bad Jack Horseman. Sure. <laughs> um, and you go to Bad Jack Horseman's house and and he goes, here you go. Let me explain. And that takes five minutes. And you're like, great. It just takes five minutes. That's what I need at the end. Um, and then you plan five minutes for the end. That means that whatever thing you're doing has to end five minutes before the end of your session, for example. Well, I thought we were going to have the battle at the end. Well, I assume so, too. That means the battle needs to end five minutes before the end of the session. Now, battles usually take uh, between a half an hour and an hour uh, to run. So... And if you have the players battling each other, then your battle is going to be long, not short. Mm -hmm. Because all the players are going to have a hard time making decisions, and and unless one player like one-shots one of the other players, um, it's going to be it's going to be kind of all over the place. Battles against players, players versus players take a long time uh, because they're not very well balanced to each other, and you can't end the battle early. You can't be like, yes, that skeleton had half the hit points because you guys are missing every single attack. I, I think I to sum up, I think what Adam is saying is outline everything to keep yourself moving forward. You need beats in your campaign, mm -hmm. and if you can write yourself starting from the end, which is great advice, This is there's going to be a final battle here, and then before that, how do they get the attention of Bad Horse? They have to do a murder or they have to do uh they have to go to this one fort and take it over or you know you you start outlining that there's another group that is trying to um get in favor with bad horse and how are you going to stop them that's another beat right there and you're you're working your way up to the beginning so that way it's easier for you to stay on track um i would also make sure that the beats that you design, you can throw out if you need to. Yes. And you can always choose as a game master to just make a plot, a necessary plot aspect, just a narrative description. So in other words, you can be like, um, you finally track down that group. All of you kill them. Uh, it's a it's a bloody battle. And now you finally have the attention of, of Bad Horse. Mm -hmm. So rather than making it like, oh, I had a big pla battle planned, but for time, I can't run this battle. And so instead, I'm just going to make it a narrative description. A battle happened. Now let's move on to the other side of it. Get that. another letter from Bad Horse. Right. Um, and and that, that gets you moving forward. So keep in mind that, that with the exception of the thing right before the end, you can skip everything else. You want to have that ending, and so you have a vision of what that ending needs to be. You want to do that. But you can skip everything else from basically the very beginning that you need to in order to move the plot forward. Absolutely. I also like the this bad horse um, idea because it means that in a future campaign, they'll know, no one knows what bad horse looks like. No one has seen him, but they will know exactly who it is. Yeah. Because of... Uh, because they'll know the secret without knowing the secret. Right, as well as the backstory of, yeah. that, of that character and all the all the pieces to it. Okay. Hopefully that fits the brief. Please, please feel free to email or reach out or um, watch uh, 
Dr. Dr. Horrible. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Horrible sing along block. <laughs> for ideas. And we are going to take a break. All right. A break time. Break. And we're back. Hey, we're back. You missed it. We sang the entire Bad Horse song, but we can't post it because, you know. Yeah, copyright. Copyright. <laughs> There's no song about copyright <laughs> that I know of. We should write a copyright song. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody can play, and we'll release it for free. It's going to be called You Can't Copyright My Heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Hey, Scary Safety 89 has a question. All right. Scary Safety 89 says, I'm running a horror themed campaign and want to make an adventure in a more spelunking like cave setting. I want uh, players to feel claustrophobic, but I don't know what I can do other than just describing it. Is there any way I can run it other than just a bunch of meaningless ability checks? Thanks. Oh, man. Spelunking. And the horrorness of being in a dark cave where you can see nothing around you. But the walls are moving in. Man, that's such a good question. So much of creating a really good setting is about the emotional... So much of it is about the description. I mean... I mean, there is something to be said for if you can really describe what the experience is. You're not just describing what things look like. You're describing the emotional state. You're describing how um, as, you, as you squeeze through the rocks, thinking you're making your way back, you can feel the roughness on the walls around you. And you feel your shoulders catch, knowing that you can't move backwards. Your breath starts to catch in your chest, and you realize that your chest is too compressed to pull in a full breath. Ooh. And as you try to squeeze your way out, um, your, your, sh- your arm drags against the rock, cutting it deep. Like that is the moment that you want, or, or the blackness. You yeah. can describe the blackness. It is an utter and complete lack of vision. At the top of my notes for any session, I have um, the five senses. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I put them there so that I can remember to describe sound and smell and you know touch, especially in this. Touch would be the one that I would describe the most. Um, slimy stone has a sharpness yeah you know it feels wrong to your touch but what i was thinking was make pathways that your players can't they have to walk single file they can feel their armor scraping against the side they have to like hunch in their shoulders they can't swing their weapon um full arc you know yeah i feel like i feel like if i really wanted to do So there's a couple of problems. One of them is a lot of characters in D&D have dark vision. 
<laughs> so the darkness of the world. There is a meme that was so good from Hercules with um the the three fates. Mm. And they're going, we have dark vision. And he, and, and Hades is going, I know, you have dark vision. <laughs> have, I can see in, in everything. I get it. You have dark vision. I'm pretty sure I posted that to Instagram, but if I didn't, I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, and that's, that's going to really ruin some of your suspense here. I will also say sometimes this depends a lot on the players that you have. Uh, I have 100% had... Uh, attempted to do suspenseful campaigns and had players joke the entire time. Oh yeah. And let's just say that that ruins the the opportunity. It doesn't matter how good a describer you are. If your players are going like, "Tell me more about how dark it is." You you're going to have a hard time keeping them like engrossed in the in the suspense of the of the circumstances. Isn't there a squeezing rule? Uh, there is for fitting into tight spaces. Yeah, so, yeah there's so a rule for that. Em invoke the, the squeezing rule. Get that in there. I was actually trying to think about whether or not um, you could introduce a new mechanic that would help raise the feeling of suspense. Okay, like rolling on, a, on some sort of like frightened table when you're in tight spots. Could Could be, could be. Or um, madness, or a uh, uh, some kind of an endurance table. Maybe um, you're getting hungry or thirsty. You know, uh, take away everybody's rations and and actually make them like play out. Hang uh, that or make the cave have magical darkness. They can't see through that unless you're a warlock with like the ability ah, to blah, let blah, you blah, see blah, through blah, magical blah. darkness. <laughs> they would have had to prepare it, right? It's true. Um, you could put in creatures. Oh, absolutely. There's well, gonna be spiders. Yeah, and yeah. But I was thinking something hunting them. Ooh. Uh, some kind of a cave creature oh, that's hunting them. It's Gollum. Um, I I'm, I like feel like this kind of thing. I'm sure I've seen this in a movie. I just can't think of what movie. You do it like a little bit like Perfect Dark. Um. But but you could have I, w I was thinking a single a single creature that is that is hunting you and that is picking you off and you could pick it pick like, it out like firefly yeah and you know what I would do I would have them go into the cave with a guide oh of course and then have the guide get picked speaking off speaking of the, tropes yep uh, but that's so good right simple but effective the 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 thing that makes that so good is that um, you can kill the guide. And not only now are they lost, but you got the chance to reveal the monster in some way by killing the guide. Yeah. And so you get to you get to show how vicious or horrible this monster is yeah. that's now chasing you without having to kill off a player character right. to do it. Your your players get stuck in a crevice and um, have to figure out a way to get through. But as soon as um, one player makes it through. Um, a horde, a wave of spiders start filling up the crevice. Oh man, you just drowned in in spiders. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty horrible. Oh my gosh, you could also do like uh, you have to swim under a section of the cave. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that could also dark. be this. There's something about the lack of oxygen in the, in a dark cave that is extra extra terrifying. I mean, you could also have like stalag. Which one is from the ceiling? Stalactites? St 
stalactites. Yes, are stalactites from the are, from the yeah. are um, falling and coming down on you. Yeah. Um, the I I was thinking maybe you could do a resource that is. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's maybe you just do a, a resource. You do a token resource against being panicked. Okay. Um, and then you basically say that, say if you're out, then you are panicked and you can do nothing. Uh, and in fact, the only things you can do are sabotage yourself or somebody else in your group. Ooh, now that's good for a horror themed campaign. So if you become panicked, it will only last a, a time. If so long as you don't die during the the period of being panicked, it'll only last a time. But you can only um, you can only uh, do something that is bad for you or bad for the party. Okay, kind of a um, uh, betrayal on the house of the hill. Yeah, it's not an attack. It's more like. You know, you cast magic missile, but you just spread it out everywhere because you're getting covered in spiders. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's just it it's flying out everywhere and it causes a collapse. Yeah. Um, and now you can't go the, that the way. The spiders are attracted to light. Right. And they start. They're like, I can't take it, and they turn the light on and. Right. Make it worse. Um. And actually, the the light thing is maybe a good maybe the creature hunting you is attracted to the light, and so you have to keep your lights off. Or the creature gets closer. Also, have dark vision. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to offer one one other thing. Okay, last one. Uh, there's another game. There's a horror game called Dread, um, and it's not a fifth edition based system. It's a whole other based system. But one of the things they do for Dread is that um, you have a Jenga tower, and every time. Things happen. It's a it's a horror based game, and every time something happens in the game, you have to move a Jenga block. Mm. Um, and the and and you can even play it. I think the original Dread actually has stuff on the blocks, stuff that happens when you pull certain blocks. Um, but basically, when the tower collapses, you die. Ooh. So if you wanted to add, if you're playing this game in person, and want to add some of that suspense, that is a great way to add a level of suspense to the to the game. Maybe every time a horror thing happens. You have to move a block, or move several blocks, maybe depending on you. Roll a d4. That's how many blocks. Yeah. Um, and and that adds to the suspense of the whole thing, which is that like, as you become more and more panicked, this gets harder and harder to to hold together. And if it falls before you make it out of the cave, then you all die in this cave. But um, dread is specifically designed so that you're probably not going to survive the yeah. end of dread. Um, I could see, like, instead of you all die, maybe the character who did the Jenga block faints or something. Yeah, or... or um, If you want to be nice. So, yeah. Some other particularly bad thing. This is a horror-themed campaign. Yeah, I guess it depends on whether scenes. or not, you know, this is a campaign where you're like, okay, well, all these characters have to make it out by the end of the campaign because they're all characters that people want to keep playing into other campaigns. So it's really a choice for you as a game master to say... Do I want this to be a campaign where where the player characters might die at any moment, or do I want it to be a campaign where there's a suspense, but you're all gonna make it out okay in the end? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Scary Safety eighty nine. Very yeah. um. Uh, Very interesting. It's on theme for October, and now it's time to. I had to pause because Adam was taking a drink. <laughs> 
Now it's time to search the room. Bump, bump, bump. Search a room. What you gonna do when you search the room? Yeah, we got great. that one down. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> How do you save this? <laughs> I, t- I he- think it's keywords. I think handy it's Haversack. I think it's Hayward, but it could be Heward. Hewards, 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 Hewards. I've always called it ha- Haywards. Haversack. I think you're right. It's Hewards. Hewards handy Haversack. Haversack. Uh, I've always said Haversack, but it might be Haversack. I like Haversack because it's like I have my sack. Hewards handy Haversack. It's a wondrous item. It's very, it's rare. Oh my gosh, this is long. Goodness gracious. Hold on. Sorry. (laughs) This backpack has a central pouch and two side pouches, each of which is an extra dimensional space. Each side pouch can hold up to 20 pounds of material, not exceeding a volume of two cubic feet. The large central pouch can hold up to eight cubic feet or 80 pounds of material. The backpack always weighs five pounds regardless of its contents. Placing an object in the haversack follows the normal rules for interacting with objects. Retrieving an item from the haversack requires you to use an action. When you reach into the haversack for a specific item, the item is always magically on top. The haversack has a few limitations if it is overloaded or if a sharp The haversack has a few limitations if it is overloaded or if a sharp object pierces it or tears it, the haversack ruptures and is destroyed. If the haversack is destroyed, its contents are lost forever. Although, an artifact always turns up again somewhere. If the haversack is turned inside out, its contents spill forth unharmed, and the haversack must be put right before it can be used again. If a breathing creature is placed... Oh my gosh, I really like that they had to put this all in here because of all of the time people go, What happens if I put a creature into a um, a dimensional cube or whatever? Yeah. All, all the questions that always come yeah. up with this. Like This is why this is so long. If a breathing creature is placed within the haversack, the creature can survive for up to 10 minutes, after which time it begins to suffocate. Placing the haversack inside an extra-dimensional space created by a bag of holding, portable hole, or similar item instantly destroys both items and opens a gate to the astral plane. The, that's like a key, like a secret key. <laughs> I can always get an astral plane. Where's your, ba- where's your hole? Bring your bag and your hole. <laughs> um, the gate originates where the one item was placed inside the other. Any creature within 10 feet of the gate is sucked through and deposited in a random location on the astral plane. The gate then closes. The gate is one way only and can't be reopened. Wow. That is the start of a campaign right there. Yeah, that's pretty true. Like, Heward's, Heward's Handy Haversack, gone uh, gone bad, the yep. game. <laughs> okay, this is a lot. Basically, it's a bag of holding with extra spots. Yeah. It's a bag of holding with some zhuzh. Yeah. Who was It's like three bags of holding, really. Could this be a fanny pack? Uh, yes. I think it totally could be. It only weighs five pounds. Right. Well, and you you can put, it says in each side pouch can hold up to 20 pounds. But it doesn't say with a central pouch. Oh, yeah, it does. 80 pounds. Whew. But then the whole thing only weighs five pounds regardless of its contents. That's pretty nice. It's pretty cool, right? It's also the large central pouch is eight cubic feet. So if you imagine that's like a room. It's like a small room. It's like a walk-in closet. Eight cubic feet. Yeah, that's pretty nice. This is what I imagine Hermione had in Harry Potter. Wait, is eight cubic feet? Maybe that's not. Maybe that's more like a drawer. How big is a cubic foot? A cubic foot is 7.481 U.S. liquid gallons. 
A cubic uh-huh. foot is a foot by one foot by one foot. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking it was eight feet in every direction. Uh, no, this is more like, it's almost like a coffin in size. It's a refrigerator. It's a refrigerator. Okay. Because like... Like you could fit in there, but it'd be real tight. Well, it's like a it's like an apartment refrigerator because this this is a ten foot. Okay. Right refrigerator. I just googled how big is eight f- cubic feet, and okay, here's one: a frigidaire seven point five cubic foot two door apartment size refrigerator. Okay. So, it's not gigantic. It's not a room, but it is tons of storage space it's for a backpack. It's bigger. It's bigger than a mini fridge. Oh yeah. And it's and it's a uh, larger. It's like that's like the size of one of those really big backpacks that you might see like a backpacker holding. Oh, the ones that they can like tote their kid on top of too. And you're like, how how are you carrying all of this? Yeah, that's what that's what it's kind of like. How is your child not pulling on your hair constantly? Because mine would. I don't know that there's not that much to say. I I think that they've laid it out so much that you know what's going to happen if X, Y, or Z happens, like rupturing it or turning it inside out That's or putting true. a breathing creature in it. So that that takes any of the, like, ambiguity. It is fun that it is a, you have a super secret way to get into the astral plane if you need to. You just have to get a portable hole or a bag of holding and and destroy them. That could be fun to describe. Um, I, feel like, I feel like this and the bag of holding, the real value of both of these is if you have a game master who is actually making you maintain your weight yeah absolutely i really like the idea of you having multiples of these on like the back of a donkey or something yeah like a fanny pack of of these bags this seems so much more useful in the context of a video game than it does in the context of actually playing DD. yeah um like in a video game i go oh my gosh i'm i'm overburdened uh or i don't have enough spots in my inventory and so I get the the bag that gives me more spots in my inventory. It makes stuff not weigh as much. But I don't ever make my players track weight or space. Like I really don't yeah. care that much. And there you have a billion things. You have ten, you know, twenty swords on you. Okay. Yeah, You're not they, gonna use twenty they're, swords. They're like, link. They you know, you just happen to have you just grab it from somewhere. Yeah. I like I, I most of the time uh, outside of, of you tried to do something really ridiculous most of the time I don't care um, and even when you do the ridiculous thing I still don't go back and re- recheck all of your other stuff I just go yeah you can't do that you know what they didn't lay out in this description What's what that? happens to food do Does I have to put, spoil? Do I have to put <laughs> ice in there Is it well a creature a, a creature is breathing within the, the sack and survive for 10 minutes. So so I imagine there's enough air in there to survive for 10 minutes. So, so mo- there's most enough food air in stuff there to, to spoil food? Yeah, to spoil food, I would think so. So I need to get myself a cooler yeah. with some ice, and then I could put the food in that and then put the food in the bag. What I want is Hayward's handy uh, Tupperware is the, <laughs> to go in my haversack. <laughs> it's uh, Telly's... Total Tupperware. <laughs> totally tubular Tupperware. It's totally tubular Tupperware. <laughs> Any food you put in it stays good for forever. Versus Percival's practical plastic wrap. Yeah, that's true. It's practical. Uh, it's not as fun. <laughs> Telly's tubular Tupperware. Man, that is that is some fun stuff. That is really, really, it's got lightning bolts on it. 
it's 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 and it's way better because it, play, it plays a, a sweet guitar line when you open it. <laughs> Zippy Ziploc bags are um, very wasteful. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go for the totally tubular tupper Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've essentially described a magic item that we're now um, making up new magic items that are better. <laughs> I do like the idea of making a bunch of magic items that solve problems for players that game masters don't enforce. Like, this magic item uh, makes it so your character doesn't need to use the bathroom anymore. Which is like, you don't, no game master ever makes the characters have to go to the bathroom. It's just not a thing. So it's just like a, I've just introduced a problem to solve for a issue that's not an issue. <laughs> a non-issue. Yeah. This magic item makes it so that you're never thirsty in the middle of the night while you're, while you're sleeping. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But you have to attune it. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an attuned magic item. Like what? No. Yeah. <laughs> Don't waste an attunement. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Let's wrap it up with some right. wackies, wally, wacky wallies, uh, wrapping paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it should have been Ralph's ridiculous wrapping paper. Oh, yeah, that's better. But wrapping starts with a W. But it starts with a roar sound. So, anyway, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast went this to is apologize. it we went to apologize wasted another hour <laughs> <laughs> here you are no better off uh, so but you could be next time if you send us a better question <laughs> yes, it's clearly all your fault everyone except for die toothpaste yeah die toothpaste you're the best you're the best um but everybody else send us better questions and we will answer them on the podcast you can go to our website at nextsessionpodcast.com to submit a question you can go to Facebook and Instagram at the next session. And you can find us on Twitter at. <laughs> nope, we had that wrong. Facebook and Instagram at the next session. Uh, fa Facebook and Twitter at the next session. Instagram at next session podcast. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Melissa Johns. Uh, tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye. Yeah,